Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in this morning. Um, we've been in a series uh, called Weird Stuff Christians Believe, uh, kind of looking at the basic doctrines of the Christian faith, Christian religion. Um, there's a lot of interesting information out there about what Christians supposedly believe and what we don't. Uh, I have to just share this. This was great. Um, we had our guys group uh, last time we had it two weeks ago um, at another coffee shop, uh, remain nameless for now. Um, you can listen to the podcast and figure it out. Um, but anyways, we were there and, uh, and I, I walk in and I got there a little bit early so I could hang out and everything. And, and the barista asked me, she said, you know, how's your day going? I said, fine. She said, what'd you do today? I said, well, finished up with job number one and now I'm going on to the second job. And she said, Oh, what do you do? And I said, I, I work for, a, you know, I work for a, a Vista and, uh, she said, Oh, well, what's the second job? And she's, I drink coffee flavored coffee. So she's just having to, you know, pour coffee and, um, she's not actually having to do a whole lot to earn her dollar tip. Um, and anyway, she's, she's pouring coffee. And I said, well, I, I, uh, passed her church and she literally spilled the coffee all over the counter. It was great. And I, she like looked at me kind of funny and said, is everything okay? And she's like, this is what she said. She goes, you don't look like a conservative Republican. <laughs> and I said, I said I was a pastor, and she said, potato. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, and I, that just kind of brings up a perspective. Now, listen, if you're a conservative Republican, good on you. But, I mean, it, the point is, is that there's all these things, have you noticed that, that get kind of attached, on, attached to Christian. And what we wanted to do in this series is really just strip all that away and say, what, what do we really need to believe as Christians? We have a saying around here. We have a few. One of them is, is that we're only as weird as we have to be. So we're kind of looking at what are the weird things that we have to believe as Christians. But I'm going to kind of pull um, kind of aside from that this week. And we're going to talk just specifically about what's going on here this morning about baptism. And so if you have your Bibles, um, uh, you can go to Galatians chapter uh, 3, verse 23. My, I apologize, we don't have any fancy graphics or slides or anything up there. You can just watch as the bubbles appear and disappear this morning. Um, my computer crashed and died finally. So I went in and I, I, I had to bite the bullet and praying and believing Jesus for the money that I just spent on a new computer um, and bought the new computer, was all excited, bought it Monday, was all giddy and happy. And I bought it from the Mac store and they said, well, you know, it's going to take about an hour for us to get it together. So why don't you like go grab dinner or something and then you can come back and we'll text you when it's ready and you can pick it up. Like, cool. So drove the kids home. We just live on the South Hill. So just drove the kids home. And then I get a text from my buddy who works at the Apple store. Dude, we don't have any of those. We have to ship it to you. And my dreams were crushed. And this is just free therapy for me. Um, and uh, so my, my computer did not come in this week. So we, you just get to watch the ADD background. Sorry. Um, anyways, Galatians chapter three, uh, Galatians chapter three. Can we do something this morning? We don't do this a lot here, but I think this morning it's a applicable to do this. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? Much is going to be said this morning. Um, but what we're about to read is different. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, it's weightier. It's more, it's better. It's good. It's true. And we can trust it. Estimates are that roughly 50, thousand people minimum have died to allow us to hold this book in our hands today. 66 books, 40 some authors, and yet it's Jesus speaking to each and every one of us. So we want to just read this. I'm reading out of the ESV. If you have a device that can switch, it'll be easier for you. 
It says, Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. In order that we might be justified by faith, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as, uh, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or f- and female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that I worship and adore you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a living and active word, not a dead and passive word. We thank you that you're a living and an active God, not a dead and a passive God. And we come to you this day and humbly ask you to speak to us, God. And we come with ears ready to hear but God, we know that if, if you don't anoint them, if you don't speak, if you don't give us the grace to hear you, God, nothing will change. So we ask that you would supernaturally give us the ability to hear you, give us hearts that will receive what it is you say, and let our feet and our lives be ready to apply what it is we hear, that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. God, don't let us be deceived by religion. Don't let us be deceived by, by man-made ideologies don't let us be deceived by the thought that we came to church, we sat through a message, and, and now we've done our good religious deed for the day. But God, rather let us be transformed by your word. Let us be transformed by your hearing. Let us receive a benefit from actually hearing your word today and be utterly and totally changed. God, let us leave this place different than we came in. God, that we might love you and you might dwell in us and love yourself more through us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. We have a full morning this morning, so I'm going to try to make this as, as quick as I can. I just, I, I feel like I want to make sure that we understand what's going on this morning. I'm, I'm sure we have some people here who were invited with, by some that are getting baptized this morning, and I want to make sure that all of us kind of have an understanding of what it is that takes place in baptism and kind of a broader picture uh, of what's going on here than just simply a free bath. So Paul here is, is kind of contrasting, if you would, a few things. He's, he's contrasting some different uh, ideas, thoughts, and perspectives for us uh, in this passage. And he, and he says the, the primary one that he's, he's drawing a, a contradiction between is, is what he's calling law, what I'll kind of, for our purposes this morning, we can define as religion. And he's saying there's, there's religion, And then there's Jesus. And these things stand in utter and total opposite of one another. And he, he walks through these with us. He says, look, in, in the law, in, in religion, it can't, it can't change you. All it can do is watch over you. In the law, what the law produces, what, what religion produces is one of two things. It keeps you captive in one of two ways. Either you become incredibly just filled with guilt because you know you can't do all the things that your religion is telling you you should. 
So you have this long list of things that you think you need to do in order to be acceptable to God, and you know you can't do them, and when you know you can't, you're filled with guilt. The other thing that can happen and keep us captive in this cycle of of religion is, is we have this long list of things, and we're under the delusion that we can do them, or we can do them well enough that we get egotistical. So either you're held in bondage by guilt or pride, but ultimately you're not transformed at all. All religion can do is oppose from, on you from the external restraint and at best behavior modification. You might act different, but you're not different. You might behave differently, but there's been no true transformation within you because all religion can do is try to externally restrain you, externally watch over you. Like your teacher in kindergarten, all she could really do was just try to get you to sit down and be quiet. Just me? Is that just me in kindergarten that ate the paint and threw it everywhere and was a crazy, you know, that's the picture Paul's saying here. There was a guardian, a, a teacher, a, a steward over you, somebody to try to impose external control over you. And Paul says, look, that's all that religion or the law can do. That's all the power that it has for you is somehow to, to impose these things. And what I want you to understand is that this act that's happening, this thing that we're demonstrating, this, this moment of baptism for those of you who are being baptized and for those of you who are here to watch it is not a religious exercise. It's not something where we're trying to impose upon them external control. It has nothing to do with that. You see, where religion tries to make you a slave of external rules leading to guilt or pride, Jesus transforms you into a son of God. All the ladies in the room are offended right now. I don't want to be a son. It's rude. I'm a daughter. King. Well, biblically, you're not. <laughs> I love you. Um, I've said this before, I'll probably say it a thousand more times before I die. Biblically speaking, we are all sons of God. Every one of us. If you have been converted, if you have experienced redemption, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, whatever theological term you want to use for it, if if you know Jesus and have experienced redemption, the Bible tells us you're a son. The reason for this is simply because in the culture of, of the Scriptures, in biblical culture, Only sons get an inheritance, and we're going to talk about inheritance in a minute, but that's why God bestows upon you ladies, just follow with me here for a second, the honor of being a son, because he has promises for you, and those can only be fulfilled if you're transformed into a son. Now, if you think God is sexist and that's rude, I have news for you. Gentlemen, we're all the bride of Christ, and ladies, I guarantee you it is easier for you to be a son than it is for me to be a bride. It's awkward for me to think about this. I don't like it. Jesus and I will have a conversation in heaven about this. But this is the way it is. We're all sons and we're all the bride. So in Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we are transformed. Our status just isn't changed. Our identity is changed. The Bible tells us we're justified. That means everything you did in the past has been forgiven. Every every sin you've ever committed has been forgiven. And please hear me, your identity in the future has changed, which means that you are no longer a sinner, but you're a son. You're no longer a slave. You're a child of God. You have been transformed by faith. So religion brings restraint. Jesus brings redemption. Come on. 
And through faith in Jesus, we are transformed from slaves to sons. That's, that's an intimate fellowship kind of word. This is an amazingly profound and significant moment here. Because you've got to understand, it's, it's through faith in Jesus that you're made into a son of God. It's through faith in Jesus that your life is changed from slavery to sonship. And if you continue reading here, he talks about in verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Can I pause here for a minute and explain to us what that means? Because there's a bunch of preachers on TV in giant houses that wear gold underwear and wives look like they lost paintball wars on their faces who are standing up here telling us that what that means is God wants you to be rich and never sick and have a big house and drive a fancy car. And they're completely, utterly lying to you either by choice or by ignorance. That's not what that verse means. Here's what it means. God made a promise to Abraham. And here's the promise, that he would be his God. Do you, do we grasp the significance of that? The promise isn't for crap that you don't need. The promise is for an intimate relationship with a God who you could never earn his favor. I've got a verse here I want us to read. This is Jeremiah. I asked him to put it up on this screen here. This is Jeremiah 32, 38 through 41. Jeremiah 32, if you want to jot it down, this is the promise. I, I, I was reading last night, to be honest with you, and meditating upon this morning, and all of a sudden, it, this just leapt off the page at me. It was amazing. This is what it says. It says, and they, this is speaking of, of once faith has come, Paul here is talking, the, the scriptures here are teaching us that there was a time before Jesus, and then there would be a time after faith in Jesus would come. We're going to talk about faith in Jesus in just a second, but faith in Jesus would come, and there would be something different. And this is Jeremiah, hundreds of years before that, prophesying about what that day would be like. And they, that's you and me, so those of us who've placed our faith in Jesus, experienced redemption, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Do you let yourself meditate on the significance of that ever? Just stop and pause and think that the God who made everything, the God who's literally whose voice holds the universe in existence said, I'm going to choose to be your God. And then he gets, it gets even better. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and for the good of their children after them. And I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Please get this, that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice, rejoice in doing them good. I, don't, I, I can't think of a better promise. The God of the universe has everything, all power, all authority, all wealth, all wisdom, all knowledge, says, you know what? I'm going to choose to be your God. Let's get over this. I picked Jesus crap. Jesus picked you. Come on, somebody. That's what this verse tells me. He picked you. I picked Jesus. I get to be egotistical. Jesus picks me. All I have left is humility. And he says, I'll rejoice in doing you good. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my, 
with all my heart and with all my soul. Do you get how invested God is in you? The God of the universe says, I'm going to choose to be your God. I'm not going to leave you to some pity little something else God out there that you can create. I'm going to redeem you from your utter and total stupidity. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to be your God. I will rule over you. I will alter your identity from a slave to a son. I will be your God. This happens through faith in Jesus. If you think that this is somehow some kind of like blanket, the whole world gets it, you're wrong. We talked about religion, and maybe you would say, well, I'm not a religious person. Come on, anybody ever heard this? I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. Good for you. Here's another way to put this. This is another way I heard it. Before, before it was cool to be spiritual, people would say, well, I'm not really into religion, but I have a faith. Ever heard that one? The problem is, it's not whether or not you have faith or not. Y'all all have faith. You go visit a friend, right? You go visit them at their house, and they invite you over for dinner. You have faith that they're not going to poison you. You have faith every time you drive down the road that the other guy in the other lane isn't going to just have a bad day and slam into the front of your car. You're going to drive a little slower home now. You have faith right now that the chair that we put there is going to hold you. Faith is hearing something, choosing to believe it to the point at which it alters your behavior and you obey it. So somebody says, have a seat. You hear that? You believe that the chair that they're asking you to sit on is going to be able to hold you and you choose to believe that and you choose to believe it to the point at which it alters your behavior and you go from standing to sitting. The, the issue is not, do you have faith or not? I know you have faith. My heart, my concern, my prayer, my message to you is what is your faith in? Ultimately, in your life, where do you place your faith? Your faith. If you're drowning, if you're drowning, and your faith to save you is in a rock, you have all the faith in the world. Your faith can be completely sincere. I really, truly believe that if you throw me that boulder, I will be saved. I will hold on to it. I will trust it. And I will believe that I will make it through this storm because rocks are solid and they don't move. Yeah, but they also sink. So you're going to sink and you're going to drown, and you're going to die. The the issue is not, do you have faith or not? My question for you is, what's your faith in? Is it in an external set of rules that's going to somehow make you a better person and somehow earn God's favor on your life? Is it on some vague baloney spirituality that you're just kind of really into the karmic flow of the universe and your house is completely set with feng shui. I leave my bathroom door open to let all the evil spirits out. Actual feng shui, by the way. I was sick, so I moved this plant from this side of my couch to that side. Now I'm getting better. Well, I know I've been a horrible person my whole life, but now I've found this set of rules that tells me if I do all these things, then I'll be a good person. 
shared this before. If somebody came up to you and said, look, I, I've, I've been a, I'm a closet serial killer. Murdered about 27 people. But I'm going to be a better guy now. Help old ladies across the street. Old guys with the bells at Christmas time. I'm not going to just put change in there. I'm going to put money in there. Start going to work. I'm going to call my mom occasionally. Write a letter to my grandma. Volunteer at a homeless shelter once a month. Well, at least once a holiday. Is that going to change the fact that that person's a murderer? No. The question is not, can you somehow modify your behavior in the future? The question is, can you be justified with what you've already done? Can your identity be changed from a murderer to a child of God? And the answer is yes. The answer is you can utterly be transformed from who you used to be to somebody new. That's the gospel. The gospel is not external restrictions altering my behavior. The gospel is you suck at life and murdered God. And at the exact moment that you murdered God, he died for you. And because he died for you, there is redemption, forgiveness, justification, and a new identity waiting for you in him. And in baptism, what Paul here is saying is we identify ourselves. Look, when, when we perform baptism, it is in the theater of our life. It is the drama of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's why we don't just pick up a cup and sprinkle it over you. It's why we put you in a thing that meant to feed horses. It's, some of you are wondering, what, what is that? It's a horse trough. You're welcome. One of the suggestions was that we used a coffin. I drew the line there. It's, like, it's very symbolic. I'm like, I don't care. We're only as weird as we have to be. That's weirder than we have to be. Horse trough as weird as we have to be. There's no baptismal in this place. Pray Jesus provides. We'll put one in. <laughs> it's in this moment of baptism that we're demonstrating our faith that it's his death that paid for my sin. Look, he paid a debt that wasn't his. He didn't have to. He didn't sin and therefore require death. I sinned and require death. And Jesus stepped in and took my place. Jesus stepped in, it's the song we just sang, said, and he bore my cross. I'm redeemed. And in this moment of baptism, it's not meaningless. It's not, it's not purposeless. It's not vague. It's, it's very specific. It's why we don't sprinkle. You're buried with Christ and raised with him. And there is a newness in a unity in identification with Jesus that happens in baptism that is beyond what is naturally happening. We call it supernatural. It's something beyond just the act of doing this. It's saying, look, you know what, Jesus? I trust your honor. He made a promise in Jeremiah. I trust your honor, not my worth. I trust what you did, 
I trust that you're honorable. I'm not going to trust my own worthiness. And I'm not going to stay away because of my worthlessness. Because you're honorable. So here's where the rubber meets the road. Faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus, according to the scriptures, starts with repentance. Repentance is just a simple word that means to change the way we think. Repentance is saying that I'm wrong and Jesus is right. Repentance says that I can't do it, but he already did it. And I'm going to trust what he did, not what I think. And if you're here this morning, my prayer, my desire, my heart for you is simply this. That you would repent. Whether, whether you are one who would consider themselves identified with Jesus or not, Repentance is a gift that God gives us that transforms our heart and changes us. It's that process. It's the instrument that the process is is powered through in transforming us from slaves to sons. It's in that, that act of repentance, in the acceptance of the gift of saying, I'm wrong, Jesus. You've shown me that I am wrong. You've shown me that I am the one who is in the wrong here. Confessing that with our mouth, believing it in our heart, and being transformed and saved, converted and redeemed. My heart for you this morning is that you would do that. So let's stand to our feet. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And we're going to baptize some people. I can think of no better way for you to celebrate these people being baptized in than, sorry, administrative moment there. I can think of no better way for you to celebrate their baptism with an expression and an acceptance of that which they are professing, confessing, and believing this morning, that Jesus is the one who transforms us, that Jesus is the one that redeems us. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. We're going to sing a song as the donkeys, I don't know, the, the baptizees, the candidates, the... The people are coming in, and we're going to go ahead and start here in a moment. I'm going to pray for us. Let's worship Jesus. If you've got some work to do with the Lord this morning, I'm going to invite you to do that. I really do want to encourage you, if you would, if you can. We're trying to keep this as you know, still to the same kind of limit that our normal service is. So we'll, we're not planning on staying long, but I would encourage you to honor those who are being baptized today. Just hang out with us till the end. We'll keep worshiping as we. Duncan, go. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you have chosen to choose a people. And I thank you that you've said in your word that you would be our God. that not only would you choose to be our God, but that beyond that and extending from that and to go even more gracious than that, that you said you would never stop doing us 
good. So God, I pray specifically for those that are here today that feel like you don't do them good. Lord, if there's somebody here who feels like you've done them bad, you've done them wrong, you haven't done right by them, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see you for who you really are, that you would open their eyes this day and you would show them the good that you have done for them.